This is Holsey March Show, and today I'm talking to Ian Michael Wood. And can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I was born in '64. Uh, I was born in Manchester, uh, raised in uh, rural Cheshire. Uh, joined the army in '86 uh, after I came back from living in Israel on and off for two and a half years. Uh, left the army in '96. Sorry, '94. And ever since then, I've just sort of been um, working with various corporate security uh, firms. Uh, I've got a very strong interest in military, religious and social history. And I I have sort of uh, co-authored and authored by myself um, some small books on historical material from World War Two. So, but um, I've always been interested in... um, UFOs. I saw my first one when I was seven. Um, certainly, uh, uh, certain paranormal activity, uh, ghosts. Uh, my, my mother died when I was ten, and she sort of popped up three days later at the end of my bed one night. Um, but uh, into sort of the, the the cryptid research, that sort of really started about two and a half years ago. What's your main subject that you cover in cryptozoology? Shook, or the hellhound, devil dogs. Um, I, to be honest, I, I don't particularly, uh, or I'm not very fond of the uh, term dogman. Really, I mean, it's, uh, I suppose it's a US uh, version of the same term. You know, we're uh, being Saxon for man, um, but um, I think werewolf or uh, shook is a more appropriate uh, term for the creature. Uh, they're, they're not animals, uh, that, that I can tell you. Because um, uh, they're very, very clever. And um, I, I've had, in two and a half years, I, I've had about uh, uh, 11 contact situations with them. Um, there, there's some woods just on the northern edge of Reading where I live present day. Uh, just over the county line in Oxfordshire and um, I, I just more or less stumbled across them by accident because uh, originally um, when I uh, first started doing this I was, uh, was after um, listening to a series of uh, shows by Vic Cundiff, Dogman Encounters that's why I used to do night shifts and you know you walk around the building and what have you and um, just something to listen to, and I stumbled across this Dogman uh, show, and uh, you know I, I was kind of hooked. And then I, I listened to a lady from South Yorkshire, and then I eventually came across Debbie, um, Debbie Hartswell, and her, uh, tremendous work. And so one December in 2016, I went up to a place called Chasey Heath um, because there, there's a road that cuts through the middle of the wood. Uh, going towards Abingdon and uh, there was a lot of what you might term tree sign so I thought I would start looking around and at the end of December 2016 uh, it was probably during the last week and um, so I was walking around the woods and on the on one side of the wood there's a little country lane then there's an open field and out the corner of my eye I saw this very tall, about two foot bigger than me. I'm, I'm six two. And I just caught this side of a head and a shoulder. And as I turned, it turned back into the fog. And that was my first um, um, uh, event. But uh, when, I, when I describe what I call a contact situation, i.e. when I'm in close proximity, uh, either less than four feet or... Um, uh, say 10, 20 metres. I mean, obviously, and people they, when they sorry. think of werewolves, obviously they think of the the movie version. You yes. Know, I, I don't think it's obviously like that. No, they're they're very. I, I'm in the school. They're very much a flesh and blood creature that eats, sleeps, procreates, uh, but they have certain abilities. Um, a bit like the wild man. Um, they have abilities um, that are uh, 
in some ways probably still a bit um, mysterious or that, that needs some serious scientific investigation, for sure. I was talking to someone called Pablo something, I can't remember his last name. He lives in Brazil. And he's doing a right. he's doing a study about werewolves. He's doing a yeah, matrix yeah, matrix study. Real, yeah, they they got a real. Um, I mean, I mean the the the, uh, the werewolves on the American continent or, or the Americas, um, north and south, they're very very aggressive. I mean, I, I mean they they. Uh, Certainly in Brazil, well, they, you know, they openly um, report people have been killed and eaten, or even where you know you got police CCTV footage or stills, still photographs from police footage where one's just walking right down the middle of the street. Wow. <laughs> and you know they, these things do just don't care whether they're seen or not seen, and, and there's a lot of uh, very good accounts on the kind of show where. Um, they they just brazenly walk on all, all fours or bipedally uh, through towns, um, certainly rural uh, settlements, and whether invisible or in, in full physical sight, um, they're they're very. Um, it's it's sort of like <laughs> I'm here. What are you going to do about it? But the 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 ones here of I, I, I firmly believe they are fully in the know or tactically aware of their surroundings and therefore attacks on people are, um, if, if they do occur, they are very, very rare. I mean, obviously um, with your military background, you would be more yeah. aware that they are tactically aware because you've got the oh, yeah. training in you. You know, I mean, you, you're not a person that, you're a highly credible witness because you've been in the army. You know what's what. You know you know what's real and what's not real. Well, there's um, if people have been uh, attacked and eaten, um, I mean, there's there's n there's never anything really uh, official about it. Uh, if it does happen. Um, uh, obviously it's kept off the books uh, but that's that's not to say that uh, uh, attacks don't happen or do happen or have happened in the past but they certainly um, I, I wouldn't rule it out that uh, people have been attacked and eaten uh, I mean obviously uh, I mean the most uh, publicised incident is the church down in Cornwall in the 50, uh, I think in the late 1570s uh, where um, a large black, uh, or they say a hellhound or devil dog, broke into a church and uh, killed some people during a violent thunderstorm. But um, I'm sure that there have, maybe there's been cases of um, uh, people being attacked and killed. I mean, I mean there, there is supposed to be, um, there's a wood near Tamworth, uh, and over the last few years, uh, I think a local girl was saying that something like 14 people had gone missing in there. Never been found. Mm. Um, there, there's about, uh, I think about five somewhere on the Yorkshire Moors and one, one possible paper boy down in South Wales. But I, I think if you're a singular person and you're an opportune target, and they think it's worth the risk. I, uh, I personally think something might have happened. I, I mean, I, I've been in, um, last November, um, I mean, actually, the 11 situations I've been in, uh, I mean, two have left me literally paralyzed uh, with fear. I mean, rooted to the spot, just um, completely um, frozen, just... Um, you know, just I just can't react. I can't move. I'm just, I was just absolutely um, petrified. Um, the 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 first one was on the 12th of February uh, last year. It was a Sunday morning. Uh, I counted three, uh, less than about ten foot. The first one just came out of the undergrowth right in front of me. 
but um, the one I'm talking about in November last year, it was a cold, rainy day, walking around in circles in uh, Noonie Green Woods. Um, one of the roads off there is called Dead Man's Lane, believe it or not. And um, I, I, I'd sort of been walking around this particular group of trees, and you, you do kind of pick up a vibe or um, a sense there around. Um, I mean, the classic thing is, you know, just anything that's whistling a tune like a bird or whatever, it, everything just comes to a, either a gradual slope or an absolute halt. And uh, this, the, it was a very, very um, sort of cold, rainy day, and I'm walking around these trees, and I was just thinking, I, I know there's one there, there's one here. So I walked um, a few paces off, and I, I had a flask of coffee, and I'm pouring a coffee, and I noticed these three deers coming up uh, a track, and three went past, and this thing just came out of the trees, this big, massive, black, furry object. It just, ooh, just dropped right out of the trees, hit the ground, went off to the right flank, and it was all in over in a blink of an eye. And I'm still pouring, and uh, I'm just trying to uh, comprehend what's gone on, because I, I'd been walking around a couple of occasions where, where he was up, he or she, whatever it was, was up in the tree. And I've been around it, and he'd been, it had been right above me. And anyway, so it, it drops out of the tree, went off to the right, and uh, moments, later, moments later, maybe a couple of seconds, um, I, I, I mean, the sense of timing is, um, it's just out the window, you know. It's sort of like, oh, he dropped out of the tree at 9.38 and then 9.39 he went this way and all the rest of it. But it was just um, it's just actually watching the whole thing unfold. Um, it, it's it's memorising. Uh, anyway, the two deer ran back the other way. And for some reason, my, my brain's going like a million miles an hour. And I just, I just pull the coffee away and I just, right, let's go find if there's anything. And I went up to the track. I, I couldn't find any blood or tracks or anything. So I think as it hit the ground and went off to the right, it, it just must have picked this thing up on the run and gone. Do you think they fully are more wolf than man or not? No, they're, they're a creature. You definitely think they're a creature, then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely flesh and blood that have uh, some capabilities similar to wild men. I to the event, like the fur, can either absorb or bend light. I mean, bit I like camouflage. To... Sorry? bit like camouflage. Yeah, I mean, the closest I've been to one is about uh, less than four foot. Um, and that one was, oh my God, this was... Um, uh, January, February time. It was, it was before the 12th. And I, I, I parked up on Dead Man's Lane, and uh, I, I'd found some dens. And I'm walking down this pathway uh, into one section of the wood, and it's sat there inside a den. It's just sat on all fours with its back to me. And I, I sort of stopped and did a double double take. And but the, the the fur was just immaculate. It was clean. It was just pristine. And but there was no shine to the coat. There was just no, um, it wasn't well oiled. If, uh, I mean, the, oh, it's pretty hard to describe really, but there, there was just no shine to the coat. But it, it was just really, really jet black. Uh, it, it was on all fours, it was about four foot. And it didn't even turn its head. It, it, just, it just didn't care if I was there or not, which was strange but I, I was kind of spooked so I, um, I thought right okay I'll call it a day got in the car went home and then I went back the following uh, Saturday Sunday and this time it was lying on its side it was 
sort of sprawled out. And it, it must have heard me coming because I saw it trying to shuffle itself rather lazily round the side of a tree to get out of my line of sight. But uh, it, it was there, and um, again, I, I just thought, no, I think I'll give this. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll go home today. Do you think they've been with well, us a long time? Yes. Yeah. 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 Try to communicate with them. Sorry. Have you ever tried to communicate with them? Um. Well, there's um, Jody Cook, who, who's a, a very preeminent uh, dogman researcher in the US. He's written several books on the subject, and well, one one of the, one of the ones that I love the most is where he's gathered all the most oldest material from around the world on these things. And certainly, um, there was very, very uh, close contact uh, between werewolves and mankind. I mean, their association with early Christianity. Um, certainly, before St. Christopher became St. Christopher, his, his image or icon was um, that of a wolf, a werewolf. Um, there certainly, uh, there was one found in the ruins of Leicester Abbey during an uh, excavation, an archaeological dig. 2014, 2015. Um, I think uh, oh, the Roman Roman senator. Oh Lord, I can't think of his name. He, he was around during the time of uh, Pompey and uh, Julius Caesar and uh, Crassus. Um, but he, he, he wrote that um, quite extensively that, um, you know, they were known as the uh, Sinocephali, the dog-headed man, and that uh, they mated for life, and they had an average lifespan of 175 to 200 years, and they only reproduced once during their lifetime. But uh, I think contrary to that, um, I've certainly seen Young this year, and I saw Young last year, um, and there's certainly a very good uh, account of one being hand-reared by um, a rancher uh, somewhere sort of uh, Texas, New Mexico way uh, after it came across where the mother had been killed uh, by one of the um, other pack members. I mean, certainly the packs in America are a lot bigger than um, the sort of... I haven't found a pack here. I found family pods or family units, um, and probably certainly the most um, extensive pack in the country would be that round um, Tamworth, Litchfield, and Cannock Chase. 
So. Do, do you think that ancient, you know, in Egypt, they have the yes. um, speaks. Do you think yes. that could be based on the, on the will? Yeah, yeah, I, I really think they do. I mean, I mean, in Japanese law, I mean, werewolves are associated with uh, great powers and dark magic. So, you know, if they're sort of revered in um, Japanese culture. I mean, Mark Ant, uh, Marco Polo uh, wrote about them, um, and certainly the, there are wolf-like uh, deities or spirits represented around the world. And I think at some point, you know, they they would have been uh, worshipped. But it's it, it's certainly um, kind of uh, strange that you know you have a prominent uh, Egyptian deity, uh, man wolf so to speak. It does seem strange uh, to me as well because the Egyptians are perceived as highly intelligent people. Yeah. Well, it's... If, if it's not a representation... Um, I, I mean, if you take the, the Egyptian supreme deity, um, whether it be Ra, Osiris or Amun-Ra, you know, because dynasties tended to sort of fund various deities, you know, that sort of back their um, uh, dynasty or regime, um, you know, like Akhenaten. Um, but I, I, I think at some point, whether there was some contact 10, 12,000 years ago, and, um, you know, this dog-headed figure um, did something or showed them to do something um, maybe they kind of revered the knowledge he passed down or they, they were just in, they just feared him and treated them as some, some sort of um, uh, god so I'm, I'm sure if, if you met something that was about 8-9 foot <laughs> with uh, arms and claws standing on 2 feet I, I think um I think I'll be very pleased saying, hello, how are you? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so I, I certainly think um, there, there was certainly very close contact between uh, man and werewolf up until probably about the 10th, 11th centuries, and then for some reason it just things um, kind of sail off into the, the, the realm of myth and legend. Um, and obviously we have, you know, certainly in the last hundred years, you know, the uh, uh, man or woman changing into a werewolf, you know, full moon and all the rest of it. But uh, there's certainly, from my own perspective, there's, there's certainly no full moon involved. I mean, the daylight, night time, um, these things are 24-7. I was just wondering, you know the story Brothers Grimm with Red, Little Red Riding Hood? When yes. at the end, uh, she, oh, um, the the grandmother turns out to be a wolf. Yeah. I wonder if it that the story's been mistold over time. Um, could could very well be, could very well be. I, I mean, I mean, I think the first um, or earliest rendition of like Cinderella goes back to Egypt. Um, you know, four or five thousand years ago. And I'm sure if you were to ask me if a human being, whether male or female, can physically turn, um, personally, myself, uh, I don't believe that. But on the side, I wouldn't discount it. Merely for the, the following uh, reason. Um, there is a tale from the Saxon Chronicles uh, on how a man um, sold his soul and the devil gave him a, uh, some sort of uh, tub of um, ointment of which he was to, on a certain night, uh, coat himself liberally 
head to foot naked. And he was allowed to keep that jar for a year and a day, of which he was then to return it uh, at midnight back to the devil. If he didn't, he would never turn back. Now, jump forward a thousand years, uh, again, going back to Dogman Tales, there was a tale by a, a chap from Arizona whose uncle um, used to do this. Where, again, you know, when he was a boy, he witnessed uh, his mother said, we have to leave, we have to sit in the car, lock the doors for 20 minutes because your uncle's going to do something. And he said he brought this jar and he had a, some sort of uh, salve or ointment in it and he coated himself off. And he said, while they were sat in the car, uh, this huge werewolf came out the front door of the house. And he said there was no one else in there except his uncle. Wow. So... So we have two stories, but the, the central theme is this um, ointment or salve. How, how you how how this comes, how you get this, or how you change, I have no idea. Or I'm, I'm just saying it's strange that you have two stories with a central theme of coaching yourself, uh, well, completely naked with with this cream or ointment. And it it somehow uh, changes you. No, Ian, I'm gonna I'm gonna just ask you one question because everybody's gonna think it and don't be offended. Yeah. What do you think people might think that is it, it that might be sceptical what what you're telling me? I don't care. I actually I have people. I I've showed pictures of um, I've got pictures of these things. Um, I've shown them at work. Um, and, but, you know, I've had people sort of, um, um, I wouldn't say ridicule or, you know, there's been a certain curiosity, but for those, it's sort of, sort of like, well, if I drink 10 pints of lager, I'll, yeah, maybe. I just say, well, do you fancy coming to the woods on the weekend then? And uh, the, 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 that sort of um, slight, uh, uh, you know, poking the fun at me, it goes out the window, I'll just say, look, just come to the woods, let's go find them. I can show you the areas, and I said, I can certainly show you the dens where they live. You know, and that's it. That's only happened to me, like, three times. But it's just amazing how many people, I mean, like, um, I took my nan, um, she lives in Oxfordshire, and, you know, she's quite a uh, devout Church of England girl. And um, I took her to a coffee morning, and there was this other old couple sat in front of us, and I just thought, you know, um, I'll see if we can ask a question, see what happens. And uh, I sort of said, you know, are you, are you both local? Um, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're born and raised in uh, Oxfordshire. I said, you know, have you ever seen any large black, uh, well, canines? The old girl goes, no, we uh, we uh, we got some black cats, you know, the big black panther type cats. And then the old boy goes, well, you know, um, my father saw the big black dogs, um, his grandfather and great grandfather, and he said they all live up at the top end of the uh, valley near a place called Chalbury. And he just said that completely offhand, you know, just like it was local knowledge. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I, I joined um, a farmer's forum just to see what sort of um, feedback I'd get. And the first two responses were, like, again, you know, sort of, um, well, if you drink 10 pints of lager, you know, maybe I'll believe you. But then I started getting some very serious responses, especially from um, two farmers. Uh, one in Suffolk and the other one uh, lives near uh, Deptford Forest. And he's, he said, you know, he's, he's got a force, um, a small family pack near him. And this other chap from Suffolk, he he wouldn't give me the, the village name or uh, or location, but he just said, you know, 100 years ago or more, they, they used to be quite aggressive towards the villagers, but now they're quite... Um, uh, they're quite passive. They seem to have some sort of understanding with them. So, certainly, I think a lot of people out there know about these things. 
I certainly believe that the authorities know about them. Um, but why um, there's sort of no national interest, I, I, I think basically because I think a lot of rural areas uh, just keep this sort of knowledge to themselves because I, I just don't think they want people running around uh, camera crews uh, or idiots with hunting rifles trying to catch one of these things. I quite agree there. It's a bit like the Beast of Bodmin because I live in uh, Devon. Yeah. So it's a bit like that. I mean, I seriously believe there is a big cat that lives on the moors. It's got perfect place to hide and perfect food on tap. So, you know, it might not be the original cat that was released back in the 70s. It may be a slightly different version of what a big cat would be in America. My, my, my personal idea on that is when the, the, the Romans, I think they built 10 or 11 amphitheaters in the country, you know, uh, for the games. And one of their big attractions was watching uh, big game cats fight each other, you know, like a, a leopard against a tiger or um, a cheetah against a lion, that sort of thing. And I think, uh, you know, if you think the Romans were here for over 350 years, and you think of the amount of cats um, that were brought in, you know, for live entertainment, uh, consider how many might have possibly escaped during that time and set up breeding colonies. Because I, um, even though they may have come from hot, um, hot or uh, tropical climates, I mean, if you think about wallabies being brought here from Australia, um, I think in the 1850s, uh, there, there's some rather eccentric English lord had some imported or brought some back with him uh, when he came back from Australia. If you think we have wallabies living in Norfolk and the Yorkshire Moors and they can survive English winters, I mean, it, if they've been here 150 years plus, it's to say that these big cats have adapted to the, the environment as opposed to their normal, uh, whether it be open savanna or jungle. I, I'm sure they'd be quite easy uh, to adapt and sort of set up a breeding population for sure. Well, it's like you said a bit, it's like I used to have a green net parrot. And I know they thrive in Kent. They're considered pests in Kent. Really? Yeah, you, yeah there's a huge colony in Kent of uh, green, green net parakeets. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, I, look it up. Yeah, well. Well, I, I, species of black was it black widow spiders yes as well? yes they, they, they have been spotted over here i think it's like you say it's a lot of people now they have exotic pets they release them but they don't realize that, that these pets do breed with other animals you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I, and i certainly think um uh, you know, if, if if these cats were brought in by the Romans, I mean, there's uh, every chance for uh, multiple numbers of these things to escape or get released. Uh, I mean, especially when you consider when they left. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know what sort of administration the Romans went through when they were withdrew, when they withdrew from this country, uh, but I'm sure they must have. Um, let a, a lot of wildlife go. I think um, you just wanted to get out of here quickly. Thought, well, we've had enough of this place. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think um, it's, it's like the Burmese pythons in Florida. There, there was um, thousands released, and they thought one winter down there, and they'd all die off. Uh, no, they just—they're just killing everything and devouring everything inside. It's—it's it's like um, McDonald's Happy Meal time down there for these things, and they, they grow um, uh, a lot quicker than they normally would do um, if they were in a Burmese jungle. Well, I'm into—I'm—I'm I'm into mutant rats. Now I, I'll tell you why. Because my yeah. dad used to work on dust, and he used to always come back to me with tales of 
rats being bigger than normal, obviously because A, they had no prey, and B, they had food on the tap. Yeah. And when you see stories, loads of frequent stories in the paper of rats being over six, six, in, six inches long or something like that, from head to yeah, tail. Yeah, and you're thinking, God, well, I don't want to see that rat. Well, you see the thing about the one that uh, the guy killed with an oar, a rowing oar, about three years ago. Yes, yes, I mean, yes. That, that was about three foot long, that thing. There's no, and people just think, oh, no, that can't be real. Well, no, there's photographic evidence out there. You can think what you want. It's not been photoshopped because it wouldn't be possible. Yeah, I, I think there was there was about about another half dozen killed in, a, in the sewers in London that, that, that were uh, put on display. Well, you got the, yeah, again, it's... Uh, the, uh, yeah, again, it's uh, like the um, people that say, oh, the myth about the crocodiles isn't true down the sewers of, um, I think it's New York, I can't remember. Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they did release them. There, there are crocodiles down there. They might not be the big, massive ones that people are thinking of, but they are. They do exist. Yeah, I, I think I saw something about that. So, I, again, you know, it's, it's, it's the... Um the ability to adapt, um, you know, to a, a new environment. So, but I, th- I think with werewolves in this country, they're um, they certainly have uh, breeding grounds, um, training grounds, uh, <coughs> certainly um, hunting grounds as well. I mean, I mean, there, there's, I, I know there might be one or two skeptics who say, well. You know, there's just not the food. Uh, there's plenty of food. I mean, the, I, I, in the woods around here, we have about three types of deer. Um, and, I mean, most of them come up to about um, either below or just about my waistline. And the biggest herd I've seen is about 20, 30. Uh, and they were grey deer. Um, and uh, obviously, I mean, having same one been taken um there's 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 um all kinds of food i i mean just going back to the event on the 12th of february i mean that there was one to my front but the one on my left was chasing a pheasant and of course uh, it was just all i could just feel like it's crunching a bone and um they say the one in front he just went up on two legs behind two trees and turned back into the wood. And then there was one behind me across the road on the other side, and it barked, and it was just so loud. I, it just it just kind of made me jump and come to, and I just, just went ran back to the car. What is your ultimate uh, goal, Ian? What would you like to... Uh, I would like to um, sit down face-to-face with one. Have it like a... If you could communicate, communicate and find out more about them. Oh my god, oh my god. 
uh, have you are you go, ever going to write a book about this or are you not interested in going that line no I would I would I would I will I mean um, I, I write everything up I send it to Debbie uh, I've sent her pictures uh, Debbie Hartswell um, I, I would like to call it because um, um, the earliest term for them uh, I found was something I called uh, Blyaka Skuka uh, I think this is the, the original root word for shook. Because skuka means like evil spirit or um, entity. But the blaika uh, sort of infers it to a canine um, spirit. And they, they were certainly used, um, uh, I think, the Battle of uh, Vinsberg and Brennenberg, uh, 450 AD and 950 AD. But I, I think the common referral is, is like some sort of berserker, you know, like the Vikings where they put an animal skin on and they get high as a kite and they just go crazy and they just go running off trying to clear the, um, the front lines of the enemy. And I, I think uh, one or two of these um, were certainly used as, I wouldn't say household pets, that would be uh, a slight insult, but I, I think they were used as um, part of whatever Saxon army or Saxon kingdoms were fighting back then at Vinsberg or Brennenberg. And um, I think just basically um, they were used to clear, you know, like I say, clear the front lines. I mean, the, there's, there's stories of Christian um, missionaries, in, I think in Northern Italy, well, one in particular. And... Um, they used to uh, walk around with these things and they would be cloaked, you know, like a monk in a monk's habit, but obviously something that's like three, four foot bigger than the average European bank then, it, it's going to make um, quite a sight. And if you basically think this was the common tactic of these monks would turn up and they said, right, forget the old gods, uh, Jesus Christ is your new God, uh, kneel down, pray for salvation, redemption, baptism, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and 10 out of 10, the locals would just say, well, there's the front gate of the town, get out, or we throw you out. And then they would, they would literally um, take the, the monk's habit off one of these werewolves, and they'd just say, right, kill as many people as you want. And I think, in one instance, 47 people were killed in a market square by one of these things. I could and believe that. Could, I could honestly believe that, yes, sir. Then they convert it to Christianity. If possible, could you send me a, a, a picture that I could use? That's entirely up to you. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to I was trying to send. Um, over Skype, but it's, it seems my computer is. No, if you do it through uh, Messenger, it'd probably be better through Messenger. Messenger seems to be more gentle. <laughs> It's, a, it's a great when you get technology that works, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, I'll just now, I was going to uh, mention about Indian, North American Indian culture, because I believe they used to, um, the wolf is one of their totems. Yeah, I, I don't know much about um, the, uh, the North American experience. Um, but uh, I, I know that uh, a lot of um, Native American lore, you know, when it comes, they talk about uh, Sasquatch, um, there's a multiple names, but they, when it comes to talking about werewolves or, uh, as the Americans would say, dogman, you know, they're, they're very, um, either don't want to mention the name or they fear them more than, say, Bigfoot uh, Sasquatch. Uh, they seem to have quite negative, um, uh, quite a negative view on them. Um, I, I know from one story they said, I mean, one one particular creature that was taking women and children, it took a thirty-man hunting party to track it down and kill it. Wow! <laughs> I, and when they did, it said it screamed like a man. Now, I mean, I, I I've heard. Uh, again, on dog bunny 
encounters where you know they can mimic uh, a woman uh, screaming for help or a baby crying or certain animal sounds. I mean, I, I've, I've certainly heard whistling. Um, I've, I've been hissed at, but I have been growled at on two occasions. And the first time was when I was doing an extra night shift, a bit of overtime. Um, I was out the back early hours of the morning, have a sort of sneaky cigarette, and it was very close to me. It was sort of like a very deep-throated growl. Uh, I was looking around, I just couldn't see anything. So I went sort of look around the corner, and just before I sort of looked, uh, I had another one. I thought, right, okay, that's it. Um, <laughs> time to go back in. And then the second time was on a return trip to Sahawi Forest in South Wales, uh, Cross Keys. And uh, we'd been, my wife and I had been about two weeks before, and uh, uh, we, we certainly had a contact situation there where we had one following us on our rear right, and every time it got close enough, my, my wife would just freak out. Um, I mean, on the third attempt, I mean, she was almost in tears, and... So, you know, she, she said she wanted to go. I said, no, we're staying put, you know. Um, which didn't go down well afterwards, as you can imagine. Um, but uh, I went back a second time, and this time I, I sort of went to the forest from a different um, area. And I sort of sat down with a flask of coffee, and I took out some sausage rolls and ham and cheese sandwiches. And just about less than 20 foot from me, I think there was there was, uh, there was this black canine head and a shoulder looking around a tree at me, and it growled. And I just <laughs> I jumped out of my skin. And uh, I was just I was just talking. I was just like, all right, mate. Okay, all right, I'm going. And I left it a cheese and ham sandwich and sausage roll as as a peace offering. Whether it ate them or not, I don't know. I didn't look back. Just just kept uh, just packed my stuff up and just kept on walking. But it was there. It was looking at me. Well, I found this very interesting, Ian. You've inspired me to look up more information about werewolves. I will do that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few of them down sort of Devon Cornwall way. Well, I'll definitely look it up. And I've asked Deborah as well, because I know that Deborah as well quite well, because um, her and me both like into British Bigfoot as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I, I can I, ask I, I, did. I don't know if she told me. I mean, I did actually on one... Um, there were some pictures I, I took of a juvenile werewolf uh, up in Nooney Woods, what I call Zone 2. But there was, there was certainly some wild men. There's, there's about four wild men uh, between Chasey Heath and RAF Benson, Nooney Green area. And, um, I, I mean, one time when I was... Uh, I was trying to look for this adolescent uh, werewolf... Um, I was walking into the woods and there was just this, like, this huge clash, you know, things were being smashed and boom. I thought, all right, okay, um, I, I might get some results. Uh, I sort of walked uh, deep into the woods and sure enough, this tree had just been completely smashed and it was lying on its side. And uh, I was taking pictures with my camera phone and I just felt something was stuck behind me. So I reversed the camera. Uh, and took a picture, and sure enough, stood in between two trees, there was one looking at me, which I, I sent to Debbie as well. In fact, I sent two. Oh, I've had this, so, I have found this conversation very interesting. As I say, I knew very little about the subject, and I'm not going to say I didn't, because I like to be honest with people. I never yeah, like yeah, to know, sure. because it, it's better to be saying, oh, I've heard of it, but I'm not too sure, sort of thing. But... I've listened in, and I can definitely think yes. I'm going to look up it, look it up more, and definitely be inspired a little bit more to be more interested. Yeah, it's um, it, it's certainly um. I, I mean, the first time I saw one, I, I was um. I was just hooked. I, I, I mean, you know, like say seeing is believing. It's very true. I, I mean, I've I've come across, you know, some are sort of like seven, eight foot, but I mean, there are two big ones up there. I mean, one's about the size of my car. I, I, I mean, I, 
mean, it's huge. I mean, if it stood up, I mean, I found prints are like 22, 20 inches long. The average print is about I, 8, 10 inches long. I don't long. disbelieve you, because obviously it's like humans, they would be genetic mutations. I, th I think basically the longer they live, the, the more they eat, the bigger they grow. You know, it's just. So if you don't um, want to meet a 50 plus year old werewolf on your, on your travels, do you? No, I mean, there's one. Um, I'll say this this one. Um, but sorry, in fact, uh, I, I think it's a couple. I, I kind of get the feeling they're probably mate for life. Um, uh, the female is beige brown and the male is jet black. And uh, this was last May sometime, and I sort of parked up, again, Dead Man's Lane. And I was going to a particular spot where there was a lot of activity. And I walked in, and something caught my eye. And I just uh, I turned to the right, and I went down on one, sort of crashed down. And I'm looking under this uh, tree canopy. It's a lot of shade. It's a, it's a nice sunny day. But I, I had a feeling there was something there. And sure enough, I just caught the side of the head. And I went, oh my God, it was just huge. It was just huge, Mark. And I, I went back to the car, locked the doors, and uh, had the camera ready. And sure enough, his head popped up. And I took about two, three pictures, and that was it. And I decided to go. Next day, I went back. I, met, I found the area where it had been laid down. I measured it. And I say, I drive, it, I drive a Skoda Octavia five door, and it was about the same size. Length and width. Well, you know, I'd like to thank you for this chat. I really have enjoyed it, and no I, I found it very informative. And I, I, I normally like to end my show with something a little bit different. So don't be too wary. It's nothing scary. Okay. Are you ready? All right, go on. <clears throat> thank you, Ian, for being on my show. It's nice to know about werewolves, you know. I don't want to meet one dark at night because I think it would give me quite a fright. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, no, thanks very much, Mark. Thank you. That's right.